smell something? Put that cookie down! Welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Josh. And I'm Chanstar. Uh, we are friend, fans, we're filmmakers, and we're fairly certain the title of this episode is going to get us in a bit of deep water. Uh, today we have a very special guest, Mr. Mansour Noor. Say hi, Mansour. Hey, how you going? Hi, Mansour. Mansour is an actor friend of ours. Jo- uh, Chanster and I have worked with him before, but I don't think I've ever directed with you. I've just, no. I've just, I like, I co-acted. Oh, yeah, I forgot you acted in that as well. I know, I know. I forget. I forget. Mo- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was the only person. I'm so embarrassed because we had, I had like a Polaroid camera that I had to click, and we did like four takes, and it wouldn't click on me, and I thought it was broken. Then Pat would take it off my hand. Pat was directing and he just snaps it and it works and I was like fuck I'm ruining every take now <laughs> and so I was like I just went and like Gen- it would never work anyway stick so- behind the camera yeah, or not behind the camera, no, don't the camera. Sorry? we just faked it yeah yeah we faked it but I feel bad because Pat had like bought film and wanted to do it practically yeah. and I just ruined his dreams of being Edgar Wright <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell us about it, a bit about yourself Mansell about me alright uh, well I'm an only child <laughs> and that says it all right uh, yeah, no. Wait, are you, are you an only child? I'm an only child. My dad had 19 siblings. I think he was one of 19. So he, he learned his lesson. He was like, <laughs> he don't he do was that. Like, I'm he's like, like shit. He was the oldest too. And so for me, I guess I grew up as like this sort of introverted Middle Eastern kid. And then in uh, primary school, I was put in a play called Billy Goat Gruff and the Baby Troll. And I played Billy Goat Gruff, which, you know, like many Disney films, I thought was typecasting. And uh, from then on, I just uh, kept... Being in shows, and I was the Grinch in grade seven, which is was ironic all because Wait. of your facial hair. I don't know. I mean, I think so. I was growing <laughs> like you're, from you're a, a, a Billy Goat who are notably goateed, and uh, you, you you were the Grinch, the who, Grinch who stole Christmas, whose main plot line is about how he needs to shave when he's. T- I think this is just like, all to do with your beard. Maybe you so saw. Maybe it wasn't typecasting according to my religion it was more uh, <laughs> <type casting. laughs> only the beard having facial hair. Like, facial oh, hair he's the only kid with a beard yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that's that's what got you into acting that's what got me into acting so i was real introverted before that and from there i found the sort of joy and happiness and performing and that happens with a lot of introverts like they go to, like like i know that's i was a total shut-in bookworm had no friends for most of school and then i like i got in through to filmmaking this weird circuitous route through acting because mm-hmm. i wanted because when you watch movies and you're like oh i want to be a part of that the the only real reference you have as a kid is the actors that you see and so you're like oh well i want to do that that's the job and then it happened like like later on that i was like oh people make these movies i also was like terrible on camera <laughs> so it happened in like I, I switched in that period I like went through puberty and I was doing like musical theatre and all that kind of stuff and my voice was breaking I was too old for the young roles I was too young for the old roles so I couldn't do anything and so then I went behind the camera and I was like oh shit I love this so much more it was it I was, feel like that is a common theme it, yeah it I did the yeah. same thing because well, I, Tarant- I went to film school first oh really yeah. oh well you did the oh. you went to film school and then acting yeah, so did I, reverse yeah. Chancellor. when I grew yeah. up I uh, decided that I would get behind the camera because it seemed like a easier route i don't know why i thought that i guess probably subconsciously because of the lack of representation of people like me on screen especially in australia i was yeah. legitimately about mm. to make that as a joke but i realized now that's probably <laughs> a little probably true but probably true uh no yeah so that's why i went to film school first and then straight out of film school 
then, but then did you realize that there was also a lack of representation of people of color behind the camera? And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> it's interesting. I, yeah, I didn't... Uh, I've only just recently noticed that because I'm looking to crew for recently a noticed. Film. Well, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like in the in the public sphere, like indie sphere is always just like this is like black, I, like I just, void of 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 people of I color. I just noticed it like at our university, even like there are just, two yeah. people of color. I think mm. like there's no one in my trimester. I just realized we no had, one in yours. Uh, my film school yeah. had well, we didn't well, have a lot of color. No, but there is a, in both of us. Oh, did I just forget them? Because yeah. I'm so racist. We had, <laughs> we, had, we had an Iranian girl named Laran who was a director on, on the grad films. Oh, um, Su, right. John mm. Su, is, she, is she directing? Uh, no, she, she's an editor. Women of colour, woo. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, 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 as but no, from, it's, it's so true. I didn't, I mean, film school, I think looking back now, and I wasn't telling sort of stories that were true to my culture when I was at film school. I was telling very white Anglo stories uh, <laughs> and was even asked to write something that was closer to to my culture yeah, and i was like, appropriating our Aussie. culture like, what do you mean <laughs> um and so yeah right i'm appropriating you guys i'm sorry uh and so and even at drama school i think i was i was one of two people of color in my year whereas now uh at the actor center i think the next year that's about to graduate is like 70 percent color yes yeah i think that was just a that just happened i don't think it was a conscious choice yeah i love i love when you see like competition i saw there was a competition we won't name them uh but they were like oh we've got 50 percent female things and it just happened by accident i'm like yeah. if it was like 55 or yeah. 45 i'd buy that more than exactly half yeah, and exactly half. it just seems like a stretch and you can tell when they're trying to pretend like it's not because does that does that bug you when it's like a, it, someone gets like reduced to being like oh we want to make ourselves look a lot less racist so that's why you have a, a job or, or opportunity? Look, I think affirmative action is a good thing. Oh no, so, inherently. And so I, at the moment, I'm accepting it for what it is, which is putting more and more people out there. But I, yeah, it is frustrating mm. at times. So I feel like it, it's a necessary evil. Well, yeah, like absolutely. we have to get do it now, so the future is more open for these opportunities. It's I, I saw a really great interview with Lexi Alexander, the director of um, uh, the Punisher Punch War Zone, Zone yeah. and she, I mean she has some controversial views, re piracy, but she had a really good point because she was on a podcast and she was asked about affirmative action, and then there, there came up the the topic of oh, shouldn't it be about the best person for the job? Mm. Which is a phrase that I just want to throw because like it inherently assumes that then some like some. Of color isn't, isn't yeah. the best person for the job, but um, she had a point. Is like, I, it kind of boiled down to, it's not the best thing to do, but like, it's the only solution we have at the moment given the situation we're in. If we were in a world where you could like sprinkle powder over the whole earth that stopped everyone being racist and sexist and homophobic, mm-hmm. then it would be about the best person for the role. But it's not because everyone has inherent biases. I have, I found I was writing and envisioning characters as inherently white when I was doing it mm-hmm. just because it's in it's just ingrained so was I. that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just you just grow up with being exposed to that and then you start you, I just found I start questioning I started questioning I saw you know the TV show Empire mm-hmm. I watched that and that's a, the first season was great it got the writing got like abysmal really fast but the first season of that every character is black except for one and I picked up on it I was like Oh shit! I'm noticing now the token. No, it wasn't a token. Because it was like a. It was like she was a well-rounded character for the first season. Um, but I was like, oh, I'm now noticing what it's like to be not, the odd one out. Be the odd yeah. one out. And I was like, oh fuck! And so I've just 
tried to make a conscious effort, but it you, you get a bit of trouble in like the, the indie scene where there's just not a lot of... I, I guess like a lot of them, like yourself, moved down to Sydney because there's just more opportunities there anyway. <laughs> we live we live here and make films in Queensland where like I had to, I did audition to film and I think I only had two people of colour apply and I cast one of them. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I uh, I recently did a casting for my short film Pizza Deliverance name drop, um, and because whenever I write something, I have a vision of what I want those characters to be, but I never write that into the script just so I'm more open. The thing, so when I did uh, L Plates, my first uh, short, in my head, it was so obvious to me that the main guy was Asian and the main girl was a redhead. Never wrote that in the script. I had one Asian guy apply, uh, surprisingly no redheads, but also no women of color who applied at all. And when I did uh, Pizza, in my head, the main guy was uh, either Indian or black of some description. uh, And the girl, I didn't really think of the girl, but there was another character who was specifically Japanese for a joke that I have in the script. And I had more white people apply for the (laughs) Japanese character Mm. than anyone, uh, anyone of color applying for the female lead, which was just so bizarre. Because it specifically said... Japanese and like people white people are like fine. yeah no I'm probably Japanese that's fine I can do it I, I had it happens in Hollywood some of the four <laughs> Japanese girls who actually came and applied for that role I was like was there a reason you didn't apply for the first one and they were like oh I didn't well, I, I, I didn't realize I could that's I what like, I found is that if really you don't sad. specify the default is white and then if you specify one any character that isn't specified is assumed to be white I had an actress apply for my feature film and I didn't specify races on any of these people I preferred there was like two characters that are related and they're meant to be related because it's like an incest joke and so I was like specifically I whatever race they are I just need them to be the same um but I had an Asian actress she emailed me and she was like look I'm really interested in the film I know you probably weren't envisioning an Asian actress for this role and I like I had to reply I'm like what the no no please apply apply but she never ended up doing it and it's it's weird that that's like a thing now that you don't you don't see when you're on the, that side of the casting chair, but uh, casting couch. No, that's that's the terrible thing we don't want. That's the, <laughs> we don't want that. No, but when, when you're on the, the the doing of the casting thing, that's almost something you don't see. And if you don't know about it, you, you don't. It's a mentality that's kind of like infected the minds of everybody now. It's just like it's, it has. It's thankfully yeah. changing, like you said. I think mm-hmm. I think we're seeing. And it's probably because of family action and probably because there were just some people that are like, no, fuck it, we're just going to do a... Sh-. Like, I think uh, Empire did a huge thing for casting in television because it was... The numbers that that show was pulling, were, it was better than The Walking Dead. It was, like, the highest rated show in America. It was pulling numbers they hadn't seen for, like, 20 years when they were, back when there was only, like... 12 channels um and then we're seeing it we're seeing it i think we're gonna next year when black panther comes out because mm-hmm. the reaction to that just based on like the poster oh, God alone fucking damn it <laughs> oh every like, so good like ava duvernay is like sharing about like oh, ava ryan, DuVernay, ryan, yeah ryan, yeah like, I'll, I'll, ryan coogler her, like, her, her and ryan coogler are like i thought you were talking about all the backlash based on that first poster with him on a chair where they're like it's black power it's white genocide wow. oh no white genocide is the weird like no. like like no one's murdering anyone with a movie that's, I don't I like I, I can like like if, I don't know I've seen some pretty bad movies uh. <laughs> well look and you know uh, we should circle back though uh what, what <laughs> acting what kind of actor are you ah uh, oh god I hate this Method question actor. I hate this question because it's well I always think of it as oh are you comedic or are you dramatic or whatever that might be <laughs> uh, look I think I'm every sort of actor but right. like, like as far as like, how do you, how do you? What's my process? Work? Yeah, your process. What's your process? What's my process? Uh, I guess uh, 
It's something that remains fairly private for most people. Shame. But, uh, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I think so. But uh, I guess it's just, uh, I mean, I obviously grab the text to begin with and make sure you can find any information that you can in that text and then work with your director and, and form whatever it is that you need to do. For do you do a lot job. of improv? Uh, I don't. I don't. I like to stick to, well, if I've got a script, I like to respect the writer's words. Yes. <laughs> as best speaking I can, my language. As best I can. Uh, they no. say in film it's not as important, but in theatre it's absolutely essential. You have to hit every single word. Well, it depends on the show, I reckon. I, well, like, I, I, there's a couple of shows. There's the play that goes wrong, which specifically has sections to vamp in for different well, things specific. Yeah, and different. then and the complete works of William Shakespeare yeah, is another one. Yeah, I was about to say. Oh, yeah, because I saw that with you. You saw that with me, yeah, yeah, yeah. And which it went has for like, like 40 sh- minutes longer than it was meant to. <laughs> <laughs> it has like huge chunks really? for the actors meant to, to improvise. But anyway, so you You've worked on like you've worked. You've actually worked on like some big professional sets. I don't know why you sound surprised? No, 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 no. <laughs> actually, like, no, no. <laughs> surprised because like you're doing I better haven't. than us. Oh, I sure. haven't. I mean, it's, like, it's like we're, we're humbled to <laughs> you. Like you guys aren't trying, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 but you've been on. What have you been on? You've been on. You've been on Clever Man. Mm-hmm. You worked on uh, a show called Trip for Biscuits, which Trip I really like. Which is available on. Is it still available on ABC iView? It is. It is, and on iTunes as well. That was a weird show because you were like, your character was like someone's uncle, but you were like the same age as the person, wasn't it? I wasn't the same age. Catherine Milius was like, I think she was in high school when we shot it. So, I was, so you know, that's not I mean, remotely that's not... the same age, surely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I mean, I guess. I really guess, far in age. But yeah. it was a case of, I think I was right for the role because I was replacing a white guy. So there was a white guy in the league. White genocide in Brisbane. I said, you need to put me in this show. Uh, they, yeah, they had a white guy and he was a, maybe, I think he was a little bit older than me, but not much. Uh, but, you know, the relationship is that we are uncle and I'm an uncle through marriage. So oh. we never explained that in the show. Okay, we, right. We I, was like, I was just like, I was, I was like, it's uncle. And my question wasn't even like a race thing. No, of course it wasn't. My question was like, but he's her age. How does that, like, and I guess... Like hypothetically, that can happen as long as one person had like kids really far apart, which has like I know people who are, like uh, my auntie is well, a year younger than me. So my uncle is a Wait, year younger than me. Oh, really? Yeah, my dad's oh, brother. You're the weird one. Shane. I'm the weird that's one with the messed up family, <laughs> <laughs> which is not far off the truth. Oh, yeah, well, that's good. And and what what, you God, did, what else have I done? I don't even know. This feature film Project Eden. I did Project Eden. Uh, I worked on Stephen Saul's Embedded. Was it Stephen who's Stephen Saul? He's a prominent Australian writer. Oh, wow. playwriter. Oh, so it was a play. This play. Well, done, it was, no, done? it was his first feature. Oh, Ooh. right. Okay. Yeah. Well, is it available anyway? It is. Yeah, I think it's on iTunes. Wait, wait, what size role are you in it? Uh, I play, uh, I want to say terrorist number five, but actually I think I was terrorist number one in that film. <laughs> oh, oh so you, man, you that's an upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Was it like I had a to well supply rounded. the other terrorists. I was, they were like, do you know anyone else that could? And I was like, yeah, I got heaps of friends. Oh, really? <laughs> let's bring them all I on I got board. loads of terrorist friends. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, so, so let's, let's dive into that a bit. Sure. Uh, like, because like the, the, that's the story, because you are a Middle East. You're from, you, yeah, you speak Farsi, I so speak, uh, Iranian? Yeah. Mm, close. I speak Dari, which is a dialect of Farsi, and my parents are from Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I was, I was like, I was like, very I've, close though. I've, I was like, I probably should have asked you that before because now I seem like a bit. Well, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter. So maybe oh, that's why hey. you never asked. No, but Ooh. see, I'm see, I'm specifically fascinated with languages and cultures and sure. specific things as just like a because my life is so boring. Um, <laughs> no, but so. So, like, Middle Eastern actors, te- like, I mean, I've read a couple of articles about this. Like, the go-to role you guys get is mm-hmm. terrorists. There's terrorists and then there's doctor and then there's lawyer. Do you get Whoa. the... Con- lawyer. Wait, lawyer? Lawyer, lawyer like, 
think like man in suit, like of authority. Because, really? Well, I think I think it's legal influenced team, by like legal guy. team type. I think it's influenced by the fact that like many people of color come and work really hard in sort of in the doctor field or like the in the really difficult fields. Well, I get I get the doctor nice the doctor stereotype. thing makes sense, but like it's weird because you see so many medical shows pre like the last five years, and it's like excessively white night. That doesn't look like any hospital yeah. I've ever gone to ever. But it's I mean it's changing. They're not um, lead lawyers. They're like you know. Lawyers that are there for a scene, for a scene. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm just here to drop in, and anyone like that looks sort of authoritative, but well, isn't. Spe- I just realised, speaking of medical shows, I forgot to ask the question that we start every podcast with, which oh, is, "What have yeah. you been watching?" We're gonna like, this is weird. This is gonna be a messy episode, but it's a fun episode. We're speaking of because I just caught up on um, the Good Doctor, mm-hmm. which is a very fascinating is show. Is it about a black doctor? No, no I'm not no. interested. Then. But it's about a doctor with autism. It's Freddie Highmore. And something Thought interesting, because yeah. another show I watched this week is The Good Place. I finally finished season one and it's so fucking good. Because <laughs> yeah. um, we had a conversation a while back and you were talking about how just how like, like low-key diverse it is yeah, absolutely. as a show. And The Good Doctor is very much like that too. It's, it's there are a whole, with the exception of, so Freddie Highmore plays like an autistic doctor and then this is like old geezer mentor who's dying of cancer. It's not a spoiler alert. They say it in like the first scene he's in. And then literally every single other prominent character is a person of color. They have a, an, uh, he's, he's, a, he's an African gentleman, but he's got an English accent. I assumed he was Indian, which is bad on my behalf. But uh, and then they've got Hispanic and African-American doctors in, in this hospital. And like, and there are whole scenes. Cause that's the thing I think you might like, you might start picking up on is that, like it, you know, the Bechtel test where it's like two women talking to each other about something other than a man, and there's sort of got to be like a race version of that because you, a lot of the time, a lot of the time, people of color aren't put in the same scene with each other. Mm-hmm. They're not made to talk. Whereas the Good Doctor has whole swaths of this show where it's just all people of color talking to each other for the whole scene about medicine and and the patient and their relationship issues. It's a very like old school show. It's very, cause it's from the creator of house and it feels very much from the era, but it's like the anti house because it's about a doctor who's like, can't sense irony or anything like that. So, cause he's autistic. So it's like a, it's a really interesting show if a little bit dated in the way they plot it. And then the good place too. Was, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Oh, what a show. It's so good. I just finished season one and I'm like, holy fuck, where is this <laughs> show going? Right, but the then, end of season, because the only reason I haven't watched season two yet was because I finished it right before the mid-season <laughs> finale of season two and I'm like, mm-hmm. then I'd have to wait ages. You know, I, I can't deal with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm waiting ages at the moment. Yeah, you're, you're all smarter than me. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, you need your fix. Obviously, but I've got so many shows that are like, I'm going to be watching that because I've got so many other shows to fill my time. I don't have to like sit and wait for something. But um, the, the, I knew the twist coming in because someone had spoiled it for me and it's still oh, no. excellently made. Yeah. Like I love that that show is like, a, there's that whole thing about like the high concept sitcom. It's like, oh, an alien roommate or something. And then what happens is it's just the same gag over every episode. It's that he's an alien, so he does things that humans don't or something like that. Whereas Someone the, doesn't like Mork and Mindy. <laughs> I get it. But The Good Place, like... The, the crux is that it's like it's it's the afterlife and you'd think oh the joke would be oh you can't do something but like the show builds this really deep mythology around how the afterlife works and the mechanics of it all it's and then they twist it yeah, every they time twist it every time it's the most inventive like high concept thing i've ever seen wait until season two is it does it get better oh yeah they just keep changing things up. oh really they oh, have okay. to like it it's fully yeah. built to, yeah, it really yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. and then the other thing i watched i rewatched get out because oh, cool. okay, uh, yeah. fuck that movie. I, I loved it the first time I saw it, but I was a bit, because I was coming into it blind and then I kind of, 
figured out the twist of the movie really early on because it's very similar to the skeleton key. Um, I think deliberately so. There's a, a point to me about that I can't do it without spoiling it. But um, and I watched it again and fuck, that movie is so good. How is that a first feature from, from him? I, get that he's I love all- how they've made like college classes around and Jordan Peele just goes into the classes and he's like, I have an opinion. He sits in the back of the oh, room. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Are they serious? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and they're oh like, and, and it's like, and I think it's really empowering and inspiring for like- It's good, but men. it's also just it's like-, like that's that's the kind of thing is that I think as opposed to you're seeing like movies about black people and they're always playing the maid or they're always playing a slave and this was like a genre piece. It was like something where a black actor, like it's still about race and, and racism specifically, but like they actually can work in a genre that, you know, as opposed to, you know, if you're always playing a terrorist, it's either going to be like a drama or an action film, no? Yeah. I mean, don't forget, this Get Out was nominated for Best Comedy or Musical. I was going to say that. <laughs> fucking Golden Globes. So, you know, it's a kind so of... it was a musical, right? So it was a musical, yeah. yeah. But the Golden Globes, Great. but they also, the Golden Globes also nominated The Tourist as Best Comedy. Uh, oh, so the, oh, the Martian. Martian. Yeah. Well, The Martian, I get. Oh, it, it's yeah. a comedy. The book is fucking hilarious. The movie a, was the movie pretty funny. The movie the had a lot of, like, the, like moments that were into. I didn't love The Martian as much as everyone else. But the, the character is funny, whereas the situation, not so much. No. Bit, bit intense, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah, but you know, that's where you find the best humor. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, get out. I mean, get out. I can see co- the comedy came into it big. It's There's a lot of dark comedy in it, but it was inherently to me a horror picture. I like Jordan Peele calls it a social thriller, but to me, it's a horror. Yeah, it's the cause of the documentary. He's, yeah, he's well, that as a joke is like a, 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 a clap back at the Golden Globes for nominating it for comedy. But anyway, what have you been watching, Josh? Well, I watched uh, The Disaster Artist, The Last Jedi. Yes. Yeah, well, the last Jedi. We had a big twenty-minute <laughs> yeah. conversation about that one last yeah. week. Yeah, uh, oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, actually, love both of those movies so much. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah they're a bit like, oh, like, I think there's a comment to make about when we do a uh, review of the year. But like, a lot of these films are like a bit rough around the edges. Like, not perfect, but I still like enjoyed the fuck out of them. those movies to be better. I mean, you can. Re- you, I don't think you can ever really find a perfect movie in that yeah. respect because there's always something you're picking out but you yeah, know i i love that we love i mean we talked about it last week love the disaster artist. there was a lot of inspiring moments especially yeah. like hitting home oh, it quite close. really hit me like really hard and i was like and i knew it was going to be in there but i didn't know how like how effective it was going to be executed and yeah. like oh beautiful and then the last Jedi. Did you go spoilers last week? Or we did, did all we spoilers last week. Out of it. Okay, so like I just—it is like an egg sitting in the sun on a windowsill for six weeks. That's how much we spoiled it. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a strong visual. Yeah, it's. Just, I'm, I'm just completely intrigued by it now. Um, no, but if we're gonna, we're allowed to continue a little bit of spoilers, like the idea, like the, the immediacy of it all, like how it's kind of like a chase movie. Yeah, in a yeah, sense, we, like we it's just like yeah. you, just like you're right into the action. It's like, I, I said on. that. I said I'm yeah. pretty sure it's Mad Max. Mad Max Fury Road had a big influence on Last Jedi because the whole mm. movie is a pursuit. Yeah, and chase, I said this like, like when we I saw Mad Max, I was like, hey guys, I reckon this movie is actually going to really start shaping blockbuster filmmaking, but give it like two or three years for those filmmakers to have seen it to start implementing it. Hundred percent, it's in the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just I love the direction that they took. Look, Skywalker, Skywalker. I know people hate that, and I'm just like, nope. It's those people are wrong. Yeah, it's beautiful, and I, I even Mark Hamill kind of disagrees. Yeah, Mark yeah. Hamill hates it, but it's his best performance. Well, his only real good performance, I think. He, yeah, no, outside no, no, the no, Joker, no, no, uh, 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 Brigsby Bear, but that's that's in my top ten. That there's a movie or called his Brigsby little cameo Bear. in Mr. Science Theater Three Thousand: The Return. Oh, I haven't seen that, <laughs> but no, he's in a movie called Brigsby Bear that came out this year, and the movie is if you like the disaster artist, Brigsby Bear is. Even 
even going to hit home more, hundred percent okay. more. I won't. I do not want to spoil anything because that is a movie you best go in blind. But like Mark Hamill's in it. He's got a smallish role. He's really good in it. But anyway, I would argue his best role was in. Uh, uh, Jane Silent Bob well, Strikes yeah. Back <laughs> as what was his name? I know it's like it was the, the cock knocker. Yeah, the cock knocker or something. <laughs> um, Some actually, form of actually Joe another Rogers, film I watched because I bought it was The Big Sick. Oh, oh nice! Oh, yes. Yes. oh yeah, sure. What did you think? Yeah, what did you think? I really yeah, what did you think? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> guilty, guilty. <laughs> um, no, I really liked it. It was flawed. It wasn't like I believe all the hype around it was kind of like, I agree with, but it was an embellished version of what I think. But I think it I, just ran on too long. It's like, I, I watched that and Dunkirk back to back. Mm. And it was really interesting that Dunkirk, the Christopher Nolan big war epic is the shorter movie yeah, by like I, 25 minutes. Yeah. But to be honest, like I was really just captivated by like the performances and the sweetness of it all and the like sincerity of everything. Oh, like good. I love Kamal. Like he does the, mount, oh, the meltdown with Jonah, mm-hmm. the guy from... Uh, Mr. Science Theater, and I was, I've always loved his work and like his relationship with Emily Gordon. Mm. Yeah, this is beautiful. I love to see. I love the story, and I love the characters, and I love the dialogue. I just wish they shot it better. Oh, like, I, yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. Vanilla yeah, camera work I have seen yeah. Yeah. all TV year because I believe. Really, yeah, you, very you, TV. You said that to me before I watched it, and I was like, oh, I'm I should look. I, I try not to spoil things. No, 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 like that's all you said, and I was looking out for it, and I was like. Mm, yeah, it just bugs me now because mm. there's no, like after seeing me and Earl and the Dying Girl, there's no excuse to take it. What would be a generic story that? Because the excuse used to be that, oh, we shoot. It's a, it's a dramatic story. It's not about these wild. It's not like a Tarantino thing. We're not throwing the camera around everywhere, so the camera needs to be settled and not really intrusive. And I saw you know me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and it's like the perfect like antidote to that attitude because it's the total opposite with like a really generic story and it elevates the whole movie mm. to a whole new level. Um, and Chanster, what have you been watching? Um, I have been far too busy to watch movies, but I did sneak in a little uh, Ed Wood just because oh. I was high on The Disaster Artist and it's the closest thing, that and Bowfinger. So I watched uh, the, uh, Ed Wood and I forgot how good mo- that movie was. It, it is legitimately the Tim best Burton's Tim Burton's masterpiece. Absolutely. Yeah, he's the only best one as far as I'm concerned, but that's another story. Oh, I still haven't seen Big Eyes. I've got it on DVD, haven't seen it's it yet. It's good. It, there's a lot of subtle, it's his most, that's his most, yeah, subtle, his most subtle movie film. because it's the least Tim Burton-y movie, but there's so much of him in it and in cool. the the way it's colored, like specifically because it's about a painter, that when you watch it, the colors and specifically where they use colors in the frame is like, it's really exquisite. It's his most subtle and most um, precise nice. movie, I'd say. But yeah, Ed Wood is, oh, there's so much good stuff about it like uh the way just they the shape opening, the character just the opening oh, scene opening, yes. sold me on that movie and, and then the uh the ending is one of see i kind of feel like it's how they should have ended the disaster artist uh like i understand that so much of the disaster artist is how tommy reacted afterwards mm-hmm. whereas with ed wood it ends with the cinema the movie is about to start playing nine from outer space and it's like this is the one this is the one they'll remember me by and that's the end of the movie. And yeah. then it just comes up with a title screen that says, Edward died an alcoholic and penniless. Yay, good times. <laughs> it was seen, like such a feel-good movie until you that point. Seen it. See, oh, it's so good. Put it on, put it on your on list. list. It's, it's yeah. excellent. Well, it's I, like 
one of Johnny Depp's only good performances. Yeah, I actually Absolutely. disagree with you, like, with, like, like because, like, the, the way Edward ends is perfect for how Edward lived his life and then the way Disaster Artist ends is perfect for how Tommy it's lives his life. Yeah, yeah it's true. What, what, life. Found in, what I found interesting about Disaster Artist is that the ending of it is completely fabricated in that the screening didn't run that way. It went yeah. badly, didn't it? It, oh, it, was like, it was way later where he... Decided to make it like, like it was a black months comedy and yeah, months yeah, yeah, yeah. And, months yeah. Months and what they did is they just condensed it into all happening on the opening night of the film, which I get why, and because yeah. they're trying to tell that sense. story. Yeah. But then they kind of did the titles at the end. I hate, I hate when movies are telling true stories. I'd love a true story movie to not have the the three or four title cards at the end of it. They just bugs me. Um, <laughs> really, I love it. I, I love knowing uh, what, what happened. Oh, yeah, but, but it's like, if me... you want to know what happened to Tommy next, Google it, idiot. But, yeah, 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 but like it pulls, it pulls me out of the, especially if it's a good Google movie. It. I saw another movie, but we'll talk about that on next week's one, um, that the movie, just the cinema in the movie was like the filmmaking was exquisite and then the title cards were just nowhere near as good as the rest of the movie. Sure. Um, they can work, like Dunkirk, it works really well in Dunkirk, but he uses the titles to screw with your expectations in that. we Like the titles, the first titles that come up, it's like what's happening in Dunkirk and then it's one, uh, the mole, two, the sea, three, the sky. And then one hour, one week, one hour, one week, one day, one hour. Mm-hmm. And and then that just like that's the whole crux of that movie. It's really good. But anyway, what have you? I mean, you've what have you been watching, Mansell? Uh, I've seen the same as Josh. So I watched Star Wars and I watched Disaster. Artist. Did you like Star Wars? Are you a big Star Wars fan? Uh, look, I don't want to say I'm a big Star Wars fan because I don't think I can. Re- I don't retain information very well, so I can't really remember. How do you all, learn but I've lines? Seen all of them. Yeah, seen, yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know. My I only learn them for the day that I need them, and then they're gone the next you, day. They're you do the Marlon Brando thing where you like write the lines on a baby's head and just read off of that. Oh, Wait, what? Sure, uh, The Godfather. He, apparently he was reading right. his lines oh, off of the baby's I could do the Johnny Depp thing where I get a, like a little thing no, in my yeah. 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 Did anyone see that clip of Jessica Chastain? Someone uh, asked yeah. her. She was like... Sassing. Yeah, she was like, she's like, oh, he's like oh, Johnny Depp gets his lines fed into me and she just says it's the best eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> and they go, what's your technique for remembering lines? She's she goes, like, oh. well, I just guess I, my technique is working hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best shutdown of Johnny Depp. But that's Which, interesting. Every actor is different. Apparently Jennifer Lawrence... Learns her lines in the makeup, in while in makeup, she just picks them up and see. But she hasn't done an Aaron Sorkin movie. I feel yeah. like there are some movies you couldn't, you couldn't. do that. I, mean, on. I think she's Tarantino, got a good memory for it. I know it Tarantino. He he's so strict about sticking to his words because he's one of those writers where every every like comma and space and articulation like in it is a part of the way the story does and it tells something about the character, tells something about the story. Mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin's the same way. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you have a chance of working on a Tarantino film or an Aaron Sorkin film, man. <laughs> so you're great, you're in. Let's hope so. Let's hope so, fingers crossed. But uh, the thing about Disaster Riders was that I found it depressingly relatable. Depressingly? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was depressing. It hopeful? Oh, look, I was worried because I'm planning on, I've written and I'm currently producing and directing and acting in a film soon. <laughs> Uh, if it all works out. And, uh, Your accent is no, all wrong. Actually, <laughs> I can is that, really that, that short you sent me? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, we're having disaster after disaster. No pun <laughs> That's intended. how you make movies. Uh, come up at the moment. So I'm trying to solve all that from Brisbane in Sydney. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I just found it. Uh, I was like, what if I'm terrible? What if I'm just creating work for myself? But you've done stuff before. You yeah, have like some litmus test. Like people have kept hiring you. Well, so. it's true. It's the inner critic though. It's the worst, isn't it? Yeah, but I think if you don't have that, that's when you're bad. 
Mm. Like if you don't have an inner critic, that's when you like that's the people who are the worst are the ones who have zero inner critic. Separate yourself from your own work and be like, yeah. The one that bugs me in the wish we could turn off is the imposter syndrome. Yeah, I just I get that all the time. I'm like, why the like? Oh, I just uh, I can't I can't switch it off. But I like I, I get happy like listening to interviews with people that I admire and they all have it they all have the imposter syndrome too so I'm like at least I'm not suffering alone well I just were on the same boat yes yes except for oh who was I gonna say no we we won't name your name (laughs) (laughs) I don't Uh, know if you're talking about like some big director or like someone we personally know Jerry from accounting (laughs) okay let's let's circle back onto the topic now that we finished our first segment in the middle of the episode Um, like Professionally, versus because you've done big stuff and you've also mm-hmm. done like micro budget, no budget, sure, and pay stuff. Is there a difference between race in both worlds? Oh, sure. As in, uh, in the casting of or in the crewing of that, and in the writing of the way you see it on 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 the page. I mean, absolutely. I think, yeah. I I, I just worked on a set just like last week uh, where I was playing a tortured Arab. Uh, it was subversive. A- and uh, the one you said was the alt right. It wasn't alt right themed. It was just about some very racist men, and so it was the condemning their actions. <laughs> it, well, yeah, they, yeah. They take they basically take me hostage because I'm a Muslim man of color and uh, torture me on a beach. Uh, and so, but that was crewed entirely with a white crew, which I found interesting while I was sitting there on the beach having the crap bit out of me being told <laughs> did you to find go back it, to my, you where I came it, from. <laughs> did you find it was like despite that, that there was like, because I find, I find there's sort of two ways people kind of go about it is there's like when the intentions are good and the results might be a little bit messy because they're a bit ignorant, I think a bit of education helps. But then you can run into some people. I know some low budget people. We won't name names because uh, we all know them. But um, they were talking. They got into a conversation about casting actors of color, just making, trying to make an effort. Because I really want to make an effort with my next thing to put out a casting call and put, like, maybe at the top of the thing, just something like saying we encourage racially diverse applicants. I feel like it's something we have to do. It was something I was going to ask me answer about what you think of that because I feel like just because of, I think in total I had three people of color, and to be fair, one of them I'm writing a feature film for. uh, But yeah, I I had no people of color come and apply for my film and I'm like, is it because I didn't explicitly say it or? I mean, I think it's probably because those people of colour haven't got a lot of exposure and don't really know where to look as well. So I think as filmmakers we're a bit responsible to try and find those people of colour to audition for our shows and and films. Um, And you can do that just by contacting like the actors' union. And saying, oh, could no. you send a brief out? But to then, if you, the but then if you're like doing, because we tend to work in the no budget lane, does the actors' union like it's go? Still fine. Oh, no. no, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Bali Pada is a good friend of mine. Is the head of the diversity committee in Sydney, and he takes notices all the time and plasters them all over Facebook groups. There's Facebook groups as well that you can find diversity oh, cool. in color, Oz Creative in color, diversity in color. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Okay. Diversity in the arts, actually. Sorry, okay. my correction. Uh, and so I, I think it's... But yeah, I think Equity's put out a statement that you, that most casting directors attach, which is that we are looking to cast diversely in, for everyone, for every role. Cool. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, I think absolutely. And I mean, writing, and as like you said, not keeping in mind 
uh, colour is important. But also writing specifically coloured roles that don't necessarily talk about culture is also important. Yeah. If you can write that a character... Well, that's what, that's what my sure. kind of... Because Aaron Sorkin actually said a really... It was a weirdly articulate thing for a white man who's cast mostly white films to say, but he was like, my, I'm a white writer and my job isn't to say this is what it's like to be a black person in America, but what I can do is I can write a role that I would write and cast a person of colour in it. Mm-hmm. And obviously that actor will be able to then bring stuff to the role. But that was my kind of thing. I was just kind of like, because I don't, I don't know that I can really, like I, like I write weird, big characters. I tend to have write weird, big characters. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's, it, I don't think that I could write the, the stoic drama about race just because who the fuck wants to watch that anymore? <laughs> I think we've got enough and they're all directed by white guys. So like, like if, mm-hmm. if people of color want to direct it, all power to them, do it, yay. But like we, we've, I've had enough of the drama stuff. But like that's kind of, they call it colorblind casting, which is a term that I find really, I've, I get a bit weird about. Really? I do because I, there was, uh, I was sort of, uh, there was like this talk about this woman who talks about like racism, Jane Elliott, and she does this like the blue eyes, brown eyes mm-hmm. Test thing with the audience, and she's like the whole point of colorblind. Like, I mean, how many times has someone walked up to you and said, "Like, I don't see your race. I, you, you, I, I don't. You're not. You're not. You're not like. Like, has that wait, happened wait, to you?" Shane, are you trying to tell me that Mansell is black? <laughs> what? Even what? I'm not aware what? of this. What? Oh my god! <laughs> but has that god. happened to you? Uh, I mean. Or is it come in conversation with and like I don't you know oh, no you, no not really no oh really come okay. up to me and like oh I don't no see like color. like friends like like it's come up in a conversation that has gone to race oh sure uh, see, not that, often I think I no, surround myself with quite intelligent a lot of the, people a lot of the time it seems to come from like a point of as opposed to just like because I want to call it unrestricted casting because that's I it's, think that's it's a great uh, that's a much better a a term because colorblind is like we're going to pretend you're not brown <laughs> in order to feel comfortable with you playing this role yeah. and like Certainly basically ignoring the it. race yeah. as as opposed to just saying opening it up um, it's not like I mean, it's, I mean it seems like a matter of semantics. Is smart, but I think maybe colorblind was a real conscious effort at the, at I mean, the start catchier. of this casting. It's certainly catchy. to really make it clear because it's not. I mean, diversity is not just about color; it's about everything, disability, um, size, and so yeah, maybe unrestrictive is probably where we should move to. But to start with, I think it was important to say colorblind in the sense that yeah. please stop casting white people in all of these yeah, yeah. black people roles <laughs> or um, brown people roles. roles. So, well, I think that's, that's sort of the big... T- oh, there's... Do you have any horror stories? I mean, you've said oh, one. God. There was that story of that uh, theatre company in Brisbane that cast In the Heights, a musical about Latinx people and cast all white yeah, people that was, in the leads. That was this morning. And then yeah. it, they cast yeah. Latino people in the like the ensemble yeah. and it was just like what <laughs> was the ridiculous. fuck are you doing? It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, thankfully there they got like there was a lot of, lot of backlash and they yeah. got Cannes and then a Sydney theater company is casting it with all Latino people. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a uh, version of Hairspray. So there were two in Brisbane, which mm-hmm. is fun. Uh, one specifically where they couldn't really get enough black people so they kind of like uh, they filled it out with maybe Hispanic people, maybe maybe some other people of color, sure. you know. And then there was another one where they found one black person, and everyone else in the black community are apparently white. Who would have known? Who for known? hairspray. What's interesting <laughs> is the program for hairspray actually says we prefer that you don't use black face. So oh if you can't find people, then cast it however you can. Oh right. So it actually gives permission to theater companies. Oh wow. Whereas with in the Heights, it 
is written for the purpose of creating jobs for people of color. So yeah. you were actually mm. just contradicting the reason that show was even written. I heard, wow. No, that person, that same person who was talk, I was telling you about, she, the they said, um, <laughs> I just kind of suppose they were like, because this subject got on, and they were kind of saying, "Well, if if they're the best actor, then blackface is okay." And I'm like, "No, what is wrong with you? you? Why a jazz singer is a classic, guys? <laughs> First film to win Oscar for best picture." But let's let's. I think that's a good place to sort of end that conversation because we've got a couple of good. I think I tips I've told you the horror stories. Yeah. I think I don't think I have many more. I've actually been really lucky. I don't think I've had to really play into the stereotype too much. Not too much. Um, so, like, let's talk about just to acting in general. What kind of uh, what do you look for in a role? Uh, I guess I just look for real stories. You know, real people. Real stories like Star Wars about real stories like Star Wars. Fantasy, and, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, I, real stories. But for me, I mean, I love comedy. I'd love, I'd love for Australia to start doing more sitcomy stuff. I don't know if it is the reason is our comedy doesn't our humor doesn't translate into TV or what it might be that we don't have fast-paced sitcoms. Trip for Biscuits was like a fast-paced sitcom. It was sitcom. very 30 Rock. I found a very 30 Rock yeah, style. Yeah, which means we're capable and I think people found it humorous. Yeah, so just, I don't know why get, that's, that's like a whole different discussion because people Screen don't... Australia is facilitating yeah. anything. It's, not just that, it's just people don't... It's a lot of Australian people who are in charge of the things, not just the, the government mm. institutions, but everywhere they don't want... There's like this... Pushback against Americanization of TV, but I'm like, we're now primetime TV shows are American shows. Yeah. <laughs> you should probably go with the flow. Yeah. And then we can make it like Trip for Biscuits might be that kind of pace and tone, but it's very, it has a weird Australian oh, yeah. tint, kink to it. Absolutely. Is that a word? Um, so I'd love to see more of that. Is I'd there any see- genres you'd love to, to be in? Oh, God. I mean, look, comedy is the big one, I think. Sitcom comedy and ensemble comedy is what I, I really love. Ensemble comedy? Yeah, like just being able to bounce off a whole bunch of people. Okay, cool. Something community-esque. Community- oh, oh yes. Which I guess is True I for Biscuits. So, like, I'm lucky oh, enough that yes. I've already done it, I what guess. What you're saying but is you love True for Biscuits. I really love True for Biscuits. I wish we got a season two. <laughs> <laughs> Do, uh, is it not in talks or is it just not happening? Uh, I think it might be. I think uh, the producer is working real hard, but there doesn't seem to be enough support for it. Oh. Sign the petition, oh. guys. We're the petition. Start yeah, we should petition. get start a petition. petition. Change just, just put st- like make it a title about Star Wars something something, and then change the title of it. So then we have got like a million signatures. There. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Do you, do you have any advice for actors or people who want to act, or specifically actors of color? Uh, yeah. So I think I think training is important. And I think that's just uh, industry smart as well. A hundred percent, yes. I think it, uh, it not only gives you experience where you might not be able to find experience before, but it just means that you're putting in time and effort into your craft and you're obviously really serious about it as well. Uh, I think if you do study, you can open a lot of doors into the casting world and get to know people um, and, I mean, I and think, where to uh, go for castings and all that business yeah. as well. Uh, what do you call it? Com- community and uh, networking is a big thing that I found when I was uh, studying acting. Mm-hmm. You get to know so many more people and it opens up those opportunities so much more. Absolutely. And you get to play in a safe environment and learn what it is that you do well. And it's always fun to do, do it better. rather than to just talk about doing it. I find that's yeah. the same thing with filmmakers specifically is there's a lot of people like, I'm writing that script. I'm like, well, finish it <laughs> and then you can make it. But also read a book about writing or like... 
just or look watch, at, or read some stuff. Yeah, read. So and many watch people just movies, create stuff without any sort of experience. Watch movies, watch shows, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, do just, research. Or just, yeah, and gain like do stuff outside of film as well, because then you can gain more of an open. Yeah, no, I've just started. Space. I've just started trying to broaden my horizons and look at like art and art history yeah. and stuff like nice. that. Because Guillermo del Toro is my favorite filmmaker. That's what he does, and I'm kind of prepping maybe for a, a horror feature, and I really want to pull from a lot of other sources and it's going to be very del toro-esque in the way we sort of create it so i'm trying to pull from the same kind of sources that he does Mm -hmm. rather than just pulling from your favorite people go back and see who they stole from and then see who they stole from and then you can follow sort of the track and then you can kind of see the shape of how it goes and then then you have like a better grasp on it i think and doing i think uh doing sort of a film degree helps you with acting as much as acting sort of helps with directing yeah. Um, I think I learned more I think about directing anyone, while I was at drum, drama school than I did at film Anyone school. who wants to be a director needs to take an acting, acting class. Acting course, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I know Darren Aronofsky specifically took an acting course and did the work up until he could cry on cue and then quit. Because then he was like, yeah, now wow. that I can do that, I know how I can make a movie. It's interesting. And no, no, I'm not asking actors to do something that I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's really good. Well, I think that's a really good place to wrap it up. We will finish with our top five. And Mansour, you have picked our top, what our top five will be for this week. And, and what is it? I have indeed. It's uh, uh, movies or shows that we loved as children that we didn't realise were completely whitewashed. It's a, and there's a surprisingly large amount, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Any show, anything made before the 2000s is pretty exceedingly white. Pretty I white. Think. Yeah, I think. Well, I'll go with my top five. I tried to add shows, but I realized a lot of the shows I watched because I didn't get into TV until a little later. I had a, you know, I've said this on a previous podcast. I had a very restricted childhood as far as things I watched, so I kind of got into it when it was a little bit more diverse. And then I was just drawn to shows that had better. The plotting was more like what I did. Those shows happened to have prominent people of color, but um, as uh, minor all movies. So I got uh, Magnolia, Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in my top five. And despite the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson has done people of color in a lot of his movies, that movie is very, 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 very white. But it's got Tom Cruise in it. You need to watch it because Tom Cruise is your favorite actor. Big Tom Cruise man. Big Tom Cruise. I don't know if he's my favorite actor, but I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's his best. (laughs) Magnolia is his best performance. A hundred percent. No, I've seen it. I loved it. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah. Oh, because you hadn't seen it last time we talked. Magnolia. Yeah. Oh, really? Magnolia is the one. I definitely have watched it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, The Impossible. Because I think mm-hmm. it's a great movie and it's very specifically whitewashed because the people it's based on were not white and then they cast Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor and Tom That's Holland like... in it. It's an excellent movie and it's directed by a person of colour and the people who were, the story is based off also approved of the movie. So it's a weird behind-the-scenes The person scenes of colour wouldn't have been in, the, in charge of that decision though. The, the casting. Oh, the director would have indep- had a whole it, production company. That but it was like- an independent It wasn't a studio oh, was film. It? No, he, he shot it in Mexico and everything. But surely there was like... Oh, there was probably... There was money people like, we need to get... Yeah, yeah money people. Um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow mm-hmm. is a great movie. Tom Cruise again? It's, yeah, Tom Cruise is in a lot of these movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know Cruise. if he's my favourite or your favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a feeling that Tom Cruise might be white. Oh my god! I think, but look, if you watch Mission Impossible, even the first, or think, I was uh, thinking one the other Ving day. Rames is. Oh wait, no, and Ving, it's very diverse. Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I fucking no. love Mission. Wait, you watched Mission Impossible two the other? Why Mission Impossible two? That's the one I watched the TV. least. Yeah. Okay, fair and enough. I had nothing. I had no uh, access to internet. Um, and Interesting then enough. I've got my, my, uh, so my next. My next list is uh, Amelie. 
uh, which is just all white. It's a very good movie, but it's all white. Uh, and then Whiplash, mm-hmm. because Whiplash is a movie about jazz and there are no black people yeah. in it yeah. other than a teacher who's in it for two <laughs> scenes. So, Well, as we know, jazz is a very white White person know, very, jazz. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Damien. Yeah. Uh, white men created jazz. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> uh, oh. Josh, what are yours? Well, in saying that, I guess if you could... On the other side, like Whiplash slash La La Land, because it's more about white people. <laughs> well, La La Land yeah. technically does I mean, have a prominent supporting character who has influence yeah, on the plot. But, so, yeah. yeah, good old danger. But still, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Would have loved to have seen like Michael B. Jordan in the lead. For Michael La La Land. D. Jordan can't that, sing though, can he? Can he? Actually, no, we did every um, stereotype every black man can sing. Uh, last year in our directing class, we did like a workshop of recasting La La Land, uh-huh. and, like in like a new like cast like. An epic role in it. I was just like, this is. I, I actually said, like, Michael B. Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. yeah. It's been so fun. Um, the next pick, Argo, because that was Ben Affleck yep. playing Tony Mendez, a CIA agent who was Hispanic in real life. So thanks for that. Uh, oh, shit. That just ruined that movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> I did not look that up. That's terrible of me. Yeah. Uh, well, like Batman begins, you know, Ray Shogu, Liam Neeson was a white man. It's an Asian role, but. Yeah, mm-hmm. they kind of subverted it in that. But I mean, like way. in that respect, I think the Asian villain kung fu master is a terrible cliche. So maybe there was a thought it went wrong, probably. But maybe there was a thought yeah. as to let's not do that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, in and then in Drive, even like Carrie Mulligan, her role was like she was meant to be Latina in the original source material. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and then my but his his girlfriend in the movie was. No, no, her, her no, role no, it was, was it to be was, Latina. I was thinking of yeah. Eva Mendes, and she's not in that film. Is she? No, no, no she's not. Eva she's in Pines. Yes, with Gosling. Yeah, Derek Sue. Yeah. yeah, the other Gosling. Good. Um, the other one, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, because it's based on a Japanese manga. Yeah, Japanese. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so I didn't actually make a list. I decided to just lift off five things I liked as a child and find out if they were whitewashed. <laughs> and even thinking about them, I was like, yeah, no, that was. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah. Uh, Seinfeld. Yep. That was whitewashed. Yep. Uh, was there even a black character in that entire show? He might have dated a black Ooh. girl in an episode. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe. She hasn't in the first three seasons because that's where I'm up to rewatching it with my wife uh-huh. at the moment. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, interesting. Um, uh, next one was going to be Evil Dead. Definitely whitewashed. Uh, they are all white in all three movies, I want to say. But yeah. in uh, not, Ash vs. Evil Dead, yeah, not to the you series, do have a Hispanic, yeah. uh, two Hispanic characters. So that's good. Um, next one I wanted to say, um, let me just scroll through, scrolling, scrolling. Scroll. Uh, Godzilla, the 1997 one. You had one Asian character who was always like, let no, them And fight. then the mum who died. At oh. the beginning of the movie. The mum was Asian, wasn't she? No, she was no. French. But, no, no, Brian Cranston's wife in the movie. In yeah, the she was... Isn't that a French actress? I can't... I distinctly remember her other. being Asian. Okay, <laughs> maybe no, not. They, they I were, could be wrong. They were in Asia. Um, the next one I want to say is any of the Monty Pythons. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Knives. Oh, good point. Knives. I forgot about knives. I'm racist. And uh, <laughs> like love. And, the then, and, then, I... and then and then and then uh, Patel. What's his name? Uh, he was a uh, he was Matthew one of the Patel. evil exes. He was there for five Character seconds this year. Did he's a Bollywood a very, number and died. Yeah, but he's a very iconic character. That is true. Uh, but the last one I want to talk about was Harry Potter. I want to say Goblet of Fire, but it might be uh, Order of the Phoenix because. 
in the first... Like Kingsley's in Order of the Phoenix. I mean, it's a tiny role, but Goblet of the Fire has the least people of no, colour because it's one word and it's the kid who goes, Aura, and he's from How to Get Away with Murder. That's the only line spoken by a person of I specifically want to talk about Harry Potter because in the books, they never, they never specify Lavender Brown's uh, ethnicity at all. And then in the sixth book, she became... It was the sixth or fifth when she becomes a love interest for Ron. She's one and in the movies, she is literally a black character until that happened in the books. Is Boom, she? she's white. Yeah. When yeah. does that happen? Uh, I, I, I want to say it's the Goblet of Fire, but I, but I may be wrong there. There's some background roles where I saw that, hey, it's like Lavender, and it's like, yeah, clearly they, like... Yeah, it's clearly yeah. she's a black person, and that's yeah. meant to be Lavender Brown. Probably because her last name's Brown, I don't know. But the moment she became a love interest for Ron, she boom, white. she's Oof. white and blonde. That's I can't remember rough. if after the fifth book they actually mentioned that she's white and blonde in the book. But I remember love interest got to be white, got to make so that white. Because Cho Chang obviously was. Yeah, Cho Chang was. And I, uh, I, I love that. I love that. Although, to be fair, this is me being a stupid child. I remember not even realizing she was Asian, the woman called Cho Chang, until I saw the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, now that totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, Mental, what are your top five? My top five. I feel all like your right. top five might be interesting. No, they're Mainly not really. because we're all white. So. Yeah. Mind you, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which was... I still haven't seen Holy that shit, one. Yeah. Oh. No, I know, I know. What it's, movies what, to not see? That's the one that everyone keeps... I, I need to be in the right frame of mind. That's not one you can just casually put on. I agree with that. And it's not a feel-good movie. So it's not the kind of one you just put on whenever. I feel like mm. you need to be in I the disagree. right mind. I disagree. I watch that like... That's my I've Christmas watched that movie. movie. Like, I think I've watched it like 15 <laughs> times. I think oh I might have watched God. it more than 15 times. Michelle Gondry's a great director, though. Oh, Incredible absolutely. director. Um, Friends? Friends, yeah. Oh, yeah. Friends. See, I never got into Friends. But oh, I, look, I didn't really get into it, but I think as a child I watched a lot of it. And for me that was sort of going through yeah. and going, okay, well, this is this is what you want to do. Like for me I was like, I want to be in the cast of Friends, but didn't even think, well, Have you seen? Be. Did you see, who, who's it, Jay-Z or something did a music video and the opening of the music video is they literally just do a scene from Friends with all black actors. They've got like no. Issa, Issa Rae from, do you watch Insecure on HBO? I haven't, but I've... You- got to watch it's so funny and she she's a showrunner and the star of it and it's phenomenal but um they did a scene from friends just with all black actors and it was weird because it just highlights how white that show is but then also they they friends was stolen from uh, queen latifah had a show called something in brooklyn or something like that and it's the exact same setup Mm-hmm. And it ran for like five seasons and Friends started like three seasons afterwards and there was like a same production company or something. They basically like stole all the Friends wow. from black people. Well, so. so Friends is appropriating black culture? Yep. The 100%. whitest show ever is appropriating black culture. Yep. This is amazing. Well, so that's why I love there's Primary a show called stuff. Happy Endings, which is the Friends set up. Yeah. yeah. But it's a much, I mean, it's not that much more diverse. There's only one black guy, but it's an interracial relationship. There's a gay character and it's that more snappy 30 rock absurdist banter, which is like, I reckon you'd love it. I know these two, I, yeah. I got chance to onto it. It's such one a good One of the show. things you've forced me to watch. It's my favourite comedy they show. They even mentioned like which one of the friends they are as well. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have a joke about which ones they are. <laughs> uh, so that's, did that's they, did they acknowledge, they, you said something about they acknowledged in like season I seven. I think in season something. seven, Ross, had a black girlfriend and that's it that was their acknowledgement i think oh that's rough uh buffy the vampire slayer which yep. mm. was very progressive for feminism like in the fact that there was a strong female lead and multiple female leads but no real people of color except for the later seasons but i think there was a black slayer oh really yeah oh no yeah, yeah yeah season three she pops up in season, season three. three uh whiplash also yeah yep. yeah yeah yep. and to go yep. back to la la land you say michael b jordan can't sing 
Can Emma Stone? <laughs> oh, yes. Checkmate, motherfucker. Mm, you know. try and pull that off live, mate, because oh, all her singing was live. Oh, I mean, I'm sure it could have been auto tuned afterwards in post. No, it wasn't. No, no. all their stuff. Because you can hear. Because you see, like, especially watch the, if you watch it again, which you probably won't. But the roommate song, and she every line she sings is done live, and all the roommates are done afterwards and auto tuned, and you can notice, or even just listen to the song. I don't think she did a very good song uh, performance. I did because it wasn't a singing centric movie in that way but but so the in which michael case jordan, michael b jordan would be great but ryan gosling what, what ryan michael gosling. b jordan as emma stone's character <laughs> yeah, exactly yes. what I was thinking. no no michael <laughs> creed reunion but then you then you would literally have ryan gosling white splaining jazz to a black person <laughs> as opposed to him just doing it to emma stone oh god uh, um, and the final one that i've got is the oc Oh, God, I also. Yeah. You know. I mean, look, affluent LA doesn't necessarily. Which is it? There's probably a, an accurate representation of that just world. Just saw a pilot for a series with all people of color set in the OC. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's about the fact that they they exist and how <laughs> and how their lives are just like everybody else's, but they're people of color. Oh, and I was like, good. oh, that's good. That'd be good. Because in my head, I was like, for that show in LA uh, for the new. Sh- no, it's just a, it's just a it's created by the performers. They're creating oh, the work right, okay, and putting right. it out there to see if anyone would pick it up. That's because good. Because that's the way to What's get yourself out there, isn't you know it? What it's called? That's a great question. I wish I did know. Okay, the name we'll, of it. we'll put it in the show notes if we can. If I we can, can definitely find it. send you a link. Um, oh, well, that, I guess that wraps up our episode. Uh, thank you for coming on My and pleasure. coming Thanks on pretty much coming all the way from Sydney. Uh, just for you guys, just for you guys, <laughs> just for us, oh. just for us. You've got to go catch a plane back now, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find us on Facebook at Mighty Motion Picture Rangers and on Twitter and Instagram at Picture Rangers. You can find me at Shane M underscore Anderson on Twitter. Find me at that Sundance Kid, all caps, yelling at you, but I love you on Twitter. That's a really long username. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you have enough characters for that. Uh, I'm at Chancester uh, on Twitter, but at the Chancester on Instagram, and follow me on Instagram. It's far more exciting. Instagram's a good one. And you, Mansour? Uh, I'm at at the Mansour Show on Twitter and at Mansour a photo on Instagram. Your name is very punnable. <laughs> Um, you, I think you go like man saw man. Man, my head is sore. No, 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 no. Like you, do, like you, the man, man came, uh, man, man came, saw, man, man, saw, conquered, man conquered, man conquered. There's a lot you can do with it. Um, and you can find uh, this and other great podcasts on our network at that's not canonproductions.com. There's some great stuff, musicals. There's another movie one. There's some D&D ones. So have a look there. And thank you for listening. We'll see you all next week.